0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Are you there in your Bible, Jonah chapter one? Okay, as you're there in your Bible, let me just give you just a little bit of framework for where we're at and where we're going. We are in the midst of a brand new series, a brand new series called Crushed. You, you keyboard player, I'm good. You, you're good for now, you're good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in, I'm gonna start preaching. Make some noise for the keyboard player for being so fantastic. We love, Ryan is the man. Give you a little bit of a framework for, for where we are and where we're going. We are in the second installment of a brand new series called Crushed. And really, this whole series stems, the genesis of it comes from a verse in Psalm, Psalm 34, verse 18. Watch as it comes on the screen. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted." I just love that thought and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're a Laker fan or a Clipper fan, this is good news to you. The Lord is close to brokenhearted. Like if you get into the World Series and then just the bats don't work, Dodger fans. Um, God is close to the brokenhearted. He comes, in fact, I believe God does his best work when we are at our worst place. God just is so good that... When everybody else is walking out of your life, God is always walking into your life. He's close to the brokenhearted. When you're crushed in your spirit, I don't know if you've faced agony or pain, defeat, rejection, betrayal. I don't know if you've had a doctor's report this way. When you're crushed in spirit, the Bible says God does not reject you or stay away from you. He comes close to us. So. And for the next few, few weeks, in fact, we have four more installments of this. We're going through old school, old stories in the Bible, Old Testament stories. And, and really, the Bible says that these stories have been given to us, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. It says these stories have been given to us as examples. They're like warning signs for our lives. So we're going to go through these stories, but understand that we still have the lens of the cross, the blood of Jesus, grace, who Jesus is. So these, these stories of, oh, this is before Jesus came. This is before Jesus died on the cross. So we're looking at these stories really as warning signs to our life. God loves you so much, he will throw up all these warnings in all kinds of directions trying to get you to pump the brakes and not go down a path that will lead to your destruction. So these stories we're going through is so that we we can all just kind of sit there and go, okay, if that's that's how so-and-so handled this situation. I can learn from their mistakes. I don't have to handle it the same way. This story here, uh, Jonah chapter 1, is one of my favorite uh, stories in all the Bible. Go there in your Bible, Jonah chapter 1. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. (laughs) This is amazing. And maybe you've never heard this story before. If you're new to church, this is the story of Jonah and the whale. Jonah, you have to understand, Jonah is a prophet. Jonah is a preacher. And we find here in the story, Jonah is a way better preacher than he is person. And Jonah can preach, he can prophesy, and God is speaking to this man about going to Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Nineveh is a God-forsaken land. It's a city that despises God. Doesn't want to serve God. In fact, they've got all kinds of foreign gods, and the last thing they want is the God of Israel. The last thing they want is Jonah's God. And so God loves these people. He's obsessed with these people. Come on, anybody thankful today that God has a heart, not just for His own. Come on, special cul-de-sac of Christians. Come on, God wants to reach people that don't know Jesus. So he says, Jonah, I I need you, man. I need your voice. I need your persuasion. I need your gift. I need you to go to that city, and I want you to preach who I am, the good news of what I do. And Jonah's response is, heck no. (laughs) I hear you, Lord, loud and clear. Thank you for the suggestion, but I'm out. (laughs) That's good for you that you love them, but I, I, I despise these people. These are the last people I want to reach. Like, I like the people that come to my church. I like the people that, 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 that vote what I vote and believe what I believe and dress how I dress and act how I act. But those folks, right, God, you couldn't pay me. So the Bible says that when the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, he says, "Nah, God, I don't want to do it your way. I'd rather do it my way. And he actually goes down and he finds a, a ship in Joppa that's headed to Tarshish many believe that Tarshish now would be Spain he's going to go to Spain the opposite the complete opposite direction God has called him east he's about to go west God has called him here he's about to go there God said this is my plan Jonah says I'm doing my way Jonah pays the fare deliberate disobedience deliberate insubordination He says, God, I hear you loud and clear, but I've I've got something better on my mind. I'm going to go down to, and he pays the fare. We're going to get there in a moment. He pays the fare. In other words, he says, you know what? I'm willing to pay my own money to go against your will. And he goes down, he gets on a ship, and he heads for Tarshish. I want to preach a message today. You could write down the title. It's called, When You Go the Wrong Way on Purpose. When you go the wrong way on purpose. Let's pray today and let's believe that by the power of God's word that'll speak to us and he'll encourage us. Come on, let's believe together. Jesus, we thank you that you are so loving. You are so kind. You are so good and so gracious. God, thank you that on a day like today, you can open up our eyes so we can see you, open up our ears so we can really hear you. We love you more than anything else in this world. And God, we are believing that next year, the Dodgers bats will work in the World Series and the Lakers will win the NBA championship. Lord, we don't really care about the Rams or the Chargers because we know you don't either. In Jesus' name and everybody said together, come on, let's clap and thank the Lord together. Amen. Come on, Toyer fans. Um, have you uh, have you ever been in your car, like downtown LA or somewhere, and you accidentally go the wrong way on a one-way? Has this ever happened to you? Like you want to blame Waze right away, but it wasn't Waze's fault? This has happened to me many times in my life. Downtown Seattle, downtown LA. Never happens in rural areas. It's always like downtown areas. And I'll I'll never forget the first time I went the wrong way on a one way. I'll I'll never forget, I took a left and all of a sudden I just see cars just staring, just flying at me. When, When this happens immediately, you just, you feel panic, you feel, you feel alarm. You're like, oh my gosh, where's the R button? I need the reverse right reverse, reverse, like just right away, just like, I need to get out of here right now because I did not mean to go this way. It's the worst when you drive somewhere in the wrong direction accidentally. A few years ago on vacation, my dad came in and visited and we were having a great time and we played a bunch of golf and ate a bunch of food and, and, and my dad was leaving and I saw him out in the driveway, gave my dad a big old hug, this this is rare, and uh, gave my dad a big old hug and, and he got in his car and he drove and he's driving back home. We were hours, about a six hour drive from my dad and I checked in, you know, after a few hours to see how dad's doing, how's the drive going, driving alone, dad, how you doing, how's the corn nuts treating you, you know, are you, how's the Cheetos? Feeling, you know, like what, like how you feeling on the drive? Then my dad, when I about three hours in the drive, I I hit him up and said, Dad, how you doing? And he wrote back, he says, Son, I drove three hours the wrong way, and I was like, Father. Did you not have cell service the whole time? Like, how does someone go three hours in the wrong? You turned a six-hour drive into a nine-hour drive. Tell the truth and shame the devil. I I, want to talk today about the reality that you and I face. The reality is that God has a plan for your life. The reality is that God has a direction for you. The reality is that God knows where he's taking your life. And it's up to you to make the decision whether you're going to do it God's way or whether you're going to do it your way. Whether you're going to follow God's plan or you're going to follow your plan. Oh, I'm thankful today that God will speak to me and he'll lead me. Come on, put your hands together. If you're grateful that we serve the God of direction. You can just rest assured today. You can make all the plans you have before God. But we say this all the time at Zoe I have plans, but plans don't own me. God owns me. I can, the Bible says, many plans does a man have in his own heart, but the Lord directs his steps. God decides the direction. Oh, the word of the Lord. I love this. The word of the Lord came to this Christian God, this prophet, this preacher Jonah. The word of the Lord came. This is like, this is a moment. This is like when oceans is sung in church. This is like, this this is goosebumps. You know, he's getting goosebumps right now. This is a Holy Ghost moment. The word of the Lord came. And what did God say? Wait, God, you want me to do? You want me to do what are you going to do when God asks you to do something you don't want to do? Cuz God speaks to Jonah and says, "Jonah, you you mighty man of God, I want you to go down and I want you to tell Nineveh all about me. Tell them how good I am and how gracious I am. How much I love people and how much I'm for people and tell them the good news of me." And Jonah's like, "They don't God, they don't deserve you." They don't, des- they don't deserve the good news. Who are you to decide who gets to hear the gospel and who doesn't get to hear the gospel? Come on, church, anybody believe? Everybody, come on, has, should have a shot at the good news of Jesus Christ. And so um, Jonah says, no, God, I'm, 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 I'm out. And he pays the fare. He goes, deliberate disobedience. He goes down and gets on a ship that's headed to Tarshish, which is just hard to say sometimes. He goes to Tarshish and, and the Bible says when he gets on the boat, everything's good. He's, 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 he's doing his thing. He's, he's, he's on his own direction. But God loves him so much and God loves you so much that the Bible says God sends a storm. You know, one of the ways that you can tell God loves you is sometimes God will send you a storm. God will send you a storm because it will wake you up. Sometimes, listen, I love this. God has given all of us free will, but God has this ability to narrow your options until your only option is Jesus. I just love this. Write down number one today. God is more committed to his plan for your life than you are. God is more committed to his plan for your life than you are. I'm a father of four children, and I'll tell you right now, I am more committed to their life than they are. I am more committed to their health. I am more committed to them getting their teeth brushed at night. I'm more committed to them getting their food. They are not as committed to themselves as I am. God is more committed to you than you are. He's committed to his plan, and come hell or high water, his plans and his purposes are going to prevail. So God says, no, no, I have a plan. I have a direction. And if you rebel the other way, that's all right. I'm still going to keep working. I'm still going to keep pursuing. I'm not going to just go, well, we're done with that guy. I'm just going to keep on leaning in and keep on serving you. And, And sometimes the way that I help you is through a storm. Watch here in verse number four as it comes on the screen. I love this. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And, and all of a sudden, it, it, all hell's breaking loose, and, and, and the ship's about to break, and everything's going wrong, and, and there's the signs, and write down number two today. You ought, you ought to just ask yourself, what's causing this storm? What, what, sometimes you got to just pause in life, and when things go bad and there's a storm happening, what in the world is causing is am I causing this? Are, are other people causing this storm? Did what what just happened? Why are things going sideways? What, what is God saying in this? God, we want God just to lead us into all these green pastures and still waters. And I'll tell you, God wants to lead us that way. But God, that can only happen when you do it God's way. When you go the opposite way, all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. All of a sudden, there's wind and there's waves and there's storms and there's discomfort and something doesn't make sense and something doesn't feel right. So you always ask, when a storm happens, did I cause this storm? Or is there somebody on this boat that's causing this storm? Watch here what the sailors say. Verse number seven. Watch what it says in Jonah 1, 7. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? (laughs) Skip down to verse 10. This terrified them and they asked him, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. You, you, You see, they ask about six questions there. Where are you from? What country do you serve? What in the world are you thinking? I'll tell you, when storms happen, the first thing you ought to start doing is start asking questions. How in the world did we get here? What in the world is all that there's there's sickness and there's calamity and, and and we're losing games by 50 points. Come on, let's go, Lakers. And who caused this storm? It was not Kobe. It was somebody else. Who caused this storm? It's a great question to ask yourself in life. If I'm going down the right direction, God has promised me to be a shield. God has promised me that, that he'll lead me in green pastures. God has promised me peace on my pillow. As soon as you start going against God and going against the way of the Lord, all of a sudden, God, God's not trying to harm you. He's trying to get your attention. God's not trying to hurt you. He's just more committed to his plan than you are. Come on, somebody thank God today. He's trying to wake us up. He's saying, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm committed to you. I'm not going to let you ruin. The, I, I, I'm, I've called you. I've anointed you. I've got plans for you. I've got purposes. So don't, don't, don't let the storm fool you. It's still out of love. He disciplines the ones that he loves. He sends storms to the ones that he loves. This is all out of love. This is not out of anger. This is not out of hurting. This is out of his, his compassion for our lives. So, you know what the guys do? They find out it's Jonah and they go, You idiot. My translation, You idiot. And you know what they do? <laughs> they throw him, this is so fun, they throw him overboard. <laughs> So some of you ought to be looking at your storm and looking at what's going on in your boat and go, well, I'm I'm going the right way and I'm I'm on the Nineveh track, but I got some people on my boat and they need to go overboard. (laughs) I need to delete some phone numbers in my phone. (laughs) I need to get some people off my boat. Am I preaching to anybody today? Don't point at them. Don't point at them. That's mean. Don't point at them. Who's causing this storm? And then all of a sudden they throw Jonah overboard. And Jonah's the great prophet Jonah. The mighty preacher Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to the... And now Jonah's in the water. These things ought not be so. And God is so good. And God loves us so much. The Lord, I love this, in the text it says, And the Lord provides a fish. The Lord provides a whale and comes and captures up Jonah and he spends three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. Write down number three today. God will provide what you need when you need it. I just love this about God. God knows what you need today. God knows your concerns today. And God knows what to provide when he needs to provide. Come on, God is never too early and he's never too late. Anybody believe today that he's an on-time God? He's watching you. He knows when to send a storm and he knows when to send a fish. God's right on time. He knows when to send the word to your life. He knows when to send the storm to your life. He knows when to send the fish to your life. Why? Because he's watching you. He's acquainted with your world. He's fully involved in your world. He's not a God to abandon you. He's not a father to neglect you. He's in tune with your world. And so God sends a whale at just the right time. Watch here on the screen and watch the text how it reads. It says in verse 17, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I love this. Jonah really is, uh, what, it's one of the most masterful biblical liter- literacy books that we have. And in first, chapter one and two, it really focuses on Jonah's disobedience and chapters three and four really have to focus on his obedience. I want to just show you in chapter two, when God puts Jonah in the belly of the whale, all of a sudden, when you get rescued, when God steps up, when God provides, chapter two, the whole chapter is just a prayer from Jonah inside of a fish, just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, you, you heard my cry. You answered me. You helped me out. Come on, anybody believe today that when God provides, you'll start to praise. I just, I just love that. God provided a fish and, and Jonah was so happy he could just be in a fish. Thank you, Jesus, for a fish. I know it smells like fish. I know it smells like fish, but thank you, Jesus. Because God knows what to provide when you need it how you need it, and where you need it. And if he's got to provide a word for you, he'll give you a word in season. If he's got to send a storm to your life, he'll send you a storm. If you need a fish, whatever God has to use to get your attention, it wasn't about the fish, it was about getting Jonah's attention. In fact, at no point in this book does Jonah actually repent for his sins. At no point does Jonah go, God, I'm so sorry, I'm such an idiot, I I just, I rebelled against, no point does Jonah repent, but I tell you one thing he does is he starts to acknowledge God, he starts to talk to God, he starts to have a sobriety about him, he loses his swagger, he loses his, his, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it my way, all of a sudden there's a humility, all of a sudden there's a grace about him, all of a sudden there's a praise about him, God wants to get you to the place where you're not trying to do your own thing, your own agenda, your own way, no, there's... There's a solidarity about you. There's a humility about you. There's a thankfulness about you. And so he starts to acknowledge God in the belly of the whale. And I love chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1 might be my favorite part of the whole story. Chapter 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Watch here, chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 1. This is my favorite verse in the whole book. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah A second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach it to the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter into the city of the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I just love that part. And then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I don't know who I'm encouraging today, but I felt like telling somebody, if you miss it the first time, don't worry, God will show up a second time. Come on, anybody thankful today? We don't serve the God just of one chance. We serve the God of second beginnings and third beginnings and fourth beginnings. Come on, give him some praise today. If you're grateful, he always shows up a second time. I, I, I love to play golf. I'm, I'm not a golfer, because if you say you're a golfer, that means you're good. I don't, I'm not a golfer. I play golf. There's a big difference. And so shout out to Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. But I, I, I love to golf. And one of the things I play, I play grace golf. If you ever play golf, play grace golf. Grace golf is when you go and you hit a shot and you shank that thing and you put that thing in the woods and the trees and the pond. And, and, and grace golf is, you know, just just hit another one. We don't need to count that against you. Some people call it a mulligan. I call it grace. Hit a grace ball. We're playing grace. You know what I love about God? You could miss it the first time and God will show up for the second time. You could totally just blow it and, you know, like pay the fare to go the opposite direction of God's will for your life. And God will show up to your world a second time. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God always shows up a second time. Moses made a blunder and God showed up a second time. Saul was killing Christians. God showed up a second time. Peter denied that he knew Jesus. God showed up a second time samson had made a mess of his life god showed up a second time rahab was a prostitute filled with all kinds of issues god showed up a second time never write off god just giving you one chance he'll always show up and give you chance after chance after grace after grace come on somebody praise him like it's undeserved blessing and it's unmerited favor And the word of the Lord came a second. I just love that. Uh, I heard a message years ago preached on Jonah from one of my best friends, Pastor Rich. And he said, I'm broken, mended, second winded. I might be broken, but I've been mended and I got a second wind in my sails. Come on, somebody thank God today. I, I feel like that's for somebody today. We got that second wind. You ever been in the middle of a run and you just feel like, this is it, I'm quitting, I'm, this is, I, I cannot go. another. Step. And all of a sudden you just, you keep going, keep going, you get that second wind. God is so good, he wants to put new breath in your lungs, new vision, new faith. God never just says, you got one chance, take it or leave it. Don't you blow it. No, God when we fail and we rebel, when we sin, he still shows up to say, I'm committed to you. I want you, um, last verse, same as the first. I want you to go, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to tell these people about me. I need you, Jonah. I, I'm, I'm gonna use you, Jonah. I need, these people need to hear the gospel. And even when you're not committed to me, I'm still committed to you. So the storm and the fish and the word coming a second time, it's more about them than it is about you right now. So Jonah finally gets his, um, his act together and Jonah goes into the city and he starts to preach the good news. And he starts to preach about God. God is gracious. God is compassionate. You know what's amazing? I think that God uses idiots. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I think God uses idiots like you and I because we might have some blunders and stupidity along the way. But at least you know something about God. And so he goes in and he starts talking about a God that he knows. Because he might have character issues and he might have heart issues, but he knows who God is. And he goes in with power and with strength and he starts talking about who God is. God is this. God is that. Why does he say it? Because he knows it. In fact, write down the last thought, the last point today. I knew it. (laughs) I love this thought so much. I knew it. Look at the last chapter, Jonah chapter 4. Keyboard player, come jo- jump up and join me here on the, on the stage. I-, I love this. Jonah chapter 4. But Jonah, but to this, Jonah seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish? I knew. <laughs> come on, Zoe. Everybody say, I knew. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. What a, what a frustrated person. He, he says, God, I knew it. I knew it. This is why I paid the fare. This is why I got on the boat. Because I knew it. I knew it. If they heard about how awesome you are, if they heard about how gracious you are, I knew they'd say yes. I knew that you're irresistible. I knew that the good news always penetrates hearts. I knew that everybody would raise their hand. I knew that every family would get saved. I knew that every person would repent. I knew it! And he's like, I, I, just, I just, I can't even handle it. Now Nineveh, our enemy, is supposed to be part of our family. What are you going to do when God starts saving people you despise? when god starts saving people that you're an activist against what are you going to do when god starts literally rescuing lives of people that you used to protest against he is literally he is literally irate because the people he's against have now come to church since I knew it God I knew it this is why I never wanted them to have a shot at the good news of Jesus I'll tell you today Zoe we are committed to our city we are committed to our nation we are committed to our world and come hell or high water we're going to go to Nineveh we're going to go to Tarshish we're going to go around the world to preach the good news that Jesus is alive saying, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, take me now God, I didn't want this to happen, I didn't want them to know, you. I knew it, I knew it I knew it, and he now is in a place of frustration, the same frustration that led him to rebellion is in the same place of frustration he is in the aftermath now the amazing thing to me about the whole story, is you look at the end, this was more about what God was trying to do in Jonah, than what he was trying to do in Nineveh some of us think that our circumstance we're there to fix the circumstance and fix the problem god is using the circumstance and using the problem to fix you a lot of us we want out of the circumstance and, or we're going to be the hero no god's using that thing in your world because those people are going to shape your life those people are going to shape your heart they're going to give you a right perspective they're going to give you a right mindset come on somebody thank god that god's using a nineveh in your life right now to form christ inside of you Jonah's conflicted with anger because I knew it. I knew it, God. I knew you'd do this. I knew you'd rescue them. Now they're a part of our tribe and a part of our world, and and now I'm crushed. I'm crushed because I'm small-minded. I got a small soul and a small spirit. Jonah, what a great preacher. What an awful person. And I wonder today if what God is trying to get your attention to do is to say, you know what I'm really trying to do? I'm really trying to form something in your life. I'm really trying to shape something in your world. And I'll use Ninevehs and I'll use storms and I'll use fishes, but it's only to direct you to me so that I can mold you and shape you into the image of my son oh, I'm thankful today that God uses these circumstances only to show up in my world because he's committed to my life. He's committed to my call. He's committed to his plan for my life. Come on, let's put our hands together today and let's thank Jesus for who he is and what he does. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.